Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 51, air date July 23rd, 2015. Folks, thanks for being here. Uh, you know, I'm just a rock and roller. He believes that uh, people should know what they're eating. It's pretty simple for me, and I'm, I'm honored to have the governor with me today, uh, Governor Peter Schoenlund to uh, uh, address this issue as he's been defending the people of his state for months who have been under a threat from great corporations on incredible amounts of money trying to overturn the people's will in his state. He's standing up for the people. And I'm uh, so I'll introduce you first, Governor. Thank you very Thank much. You so much. Thank you. Thank you, Neil. It's great to have you in Vermont. We want you more often. Now, Neil Young was here in 1965. That was your last trip here, right? A long time ago. Yeah. I, I, uh, but uh, we're, we're glad to have you back. And uh, I want to thank Neil Young for his support of Vermont's efforts to do the right thing and let consumers know what's in their food. He's been extraordinarily supportive. He called me uh, out of the blue about 10 days ago and said, I'm coming to Vermont. I want to help you raise money for the Vermont food fight so that you can beat Monsanto, beat the big corporations, and let people, consumers, know that they have the confidence that there's a label on their food that tells them what's in it. A couple of quick points I want to make. First, right now, Congress is threatening to pass the Dark Act. The Dark Act will supersede states like Vermont. It will basically say labeling can't happen without the approval of federal government and we remove states' rights to their own destiny. Now, it's kind of ironic that a Republican Congress, who claims to believe in local control, would now pass an act to remove the ability for consumers to know what's in their food, and to say to states, the big federal government shall supersede your power. So I'm asking Vermonters and people across the country to join me in calling Congress, call your congressperson, call other people's congressperson, because we know Vermont Congress is on our side, and simply say, kill the Dark Act, and urge President Obama should have come to his desk to join us in vetoing that bill. Second, this food fight is so critically important because if we win in Vermont, we'll win in America. This is a very simple concept. Vermonters and Americans should join the 36 other countries in letting consumers know what's in their food. As you know, Maine and Connecticut have passed legislation saying if a group of states do it, we'll do it. In Vermont, we simply said, it's the right thing to do, we're going to do it. We knew that Monsanto and the food manufacturers would sue us. They have. We are now raising money through the Vermont Food Fight Fund to help fight back against Monsanto. This is a simple example of corporate greed against people's right to know what's in their food and make an informed choice. So we got to win this. We need your help. So far, we've raised $450,000. That's a lot of money in Vermont. We need more because we're obviously up against the biggest corporate lawyers in America. And we're urging people to give. To find our site, just go to foodfightfund.org and donate online. Foodfightfund.org and donate online. And I want to give a shout out, uh, not only to Senator Zuckman is here with us that worked so hard for this bill, but to moveon.org, to uh, someofus.org, who's worked very, very hard to help us raise money this fund, 
to Vper, who's here today, to so many that came together to help us get this job done. So thank you, Neil Young. It's an honor to have you in Vermont. I am going to make you an honorary Vermonter, and we're going to assure you that when you come in here next July, you can buy any food you want in this state, and you'll know whether it's GMO uh, or not. So we're really delighted to have you here. Take a great day and have a great concert. Thank tonight. you very much. We're going to be rocking out with you. Well, I hope so. All right. We're going to have a great time. Thank you very much, Governor. So it's a, it's a great honor for me to be here, and you know, the fund that we have, to, that we started, raised $450,000. You know, we had tremendous response from this audience coming to this show, and they all came in, 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 in huge numbers, and we're donating $100,000 from our fee to this fund. And we would like to see... We would like to see some of the high rollers in Vermont who believe in us come up and match that. Because if you got it, break it out. And for the for the folks who don't have that much money, just contribute as much as you can. And remember, this is a big multinational group of corporations working together to make sure that you don't know what you have on your food table. You make sure mothers don't know what they're feeding their children. Now, there's a lot of science about this. There's a lot of science around it. There's a lot of controversy about the science of GMOs. But most of the science and most of the information on the internet is paid for by big business, by big agri-corps from around the world, and it's all slanted. So we have the pleasure of having Dr. Shiva Adore here today to explain the latest developments in the field of science, independent of the companies, independent of every kind of oversight and control by the corporations. And and verified by peers around the world in many, many countries. A huge study. And Dr. Shiva, please take it in here and thank you for you now. Thank you so much. Uh, it's great to be here. You know, I was actually on my way to India, literally hours from now, but uh, Daryl and I spoke. I thought it was important to be here to share. I think, fortunately, coincidentally, some of the research we just published. So, uh, first of all, I want to thank the governor, thank Neil for his wonderful work, you know, uh, Mark Zuckerman, is that Mark? Dave, Dave Zuckerman, for all the, all the work he's been doing. So look, here's the background. When you look at this entire process, just like labeling is fundamentally a call for American democracy and transparency. Now, the flip side of the, the other sister child of this is really the call for open standards in science. We're basically talking about the scientific method. So I don't really have a horse in the race, but I can tell you the scientific method is not being followed here at all. There's been a complete subversion of the scientific method. And as Neil alluded, the biggest institutions, the biggest corporations have done that uh, collusion and that corruption. So let me give you how it started with me. You know, I have a 33-year experience in and out of MIT, four degrees, a PhD in systems biology. And by the way, systems biology, that term, you may hear that, is the modern biology. It came out of the last 10 years recognizing that you can't look at complex organisms as individual parts. You have to look at the whole holistically. So around 2000, when the Genome Project realized we had the same number of genes as a worm, that complexity is not a function of the number of genes. People woke up and they said, we got to develop a whole new methodology, and that was systems biology. That's when I came back to MIT in 2003, and we built a whole new breakthrough approach of really looking at complexity. Now, what happened out of that was we were able to publish, as, as uh, Neil said, significant papers we've been in, uh, cited in Nature, in Cell, so the most eminent journals on this approach of systems biology. Now, what is systems biology? Systems biology basically says 
that you look at not just one experiment done in one company like Monsanto, but you look at thousands of experiments done all over the world, you aggregate them, you connect them together to find truth. That's the purpose of systems biology. That's why you call it a system, the ankle bone's connected to the foot bone. You can't just look at one thing alone. So what, as I was finishing this up, uh, we made some major breakthroughs. Last year, the way I got into the GMO movement was on the front page of MIT, another corporation. It says, buy fresh, buy GMO. Okay, this is MIT's technology review, which is like the Rolling Stones of science. And when I looked at this, it really sort of caught me. Why would the number one technology institution in the world not be asking a question, buy fresh, buy GMO, question mark. It was buy fresh, buy GMO, a declaration. So that led us to really start using systems biology, which came out of MIT, ironically, by the way. And what did we do? We said, uh, let's really look at what's going on in plants. Remember, Monsanto makes two claims, and these are claims, that a GMO is substantially the same as a non-GMO. So, so the plant is the same. So you got a nice big piece of soybean that looks great, the GMO version. Don't worry, it's the same as a non-GMO. That's one claim. The second claim is, don't worry, it's not going to hurt you. Okay, so we took the first claim and said, can we show, is this ruling of substantial equivalence the same? Okay, so how do you compare the non-GMO to the GMO? Well, the rules that are used are what was developed in the 1970s by the Ford administration for comparing medical devices. So let's say the governor here developed a medical device, a couple of years later you develop another version, you want to get it fast-tracked if it's substantially the same. So that was a rule that they used. So what we did was, we had heard some inklings that GMOs were generating formaldehyde. Right, so we said let's apply the scientific method. So what we did was, we looked at about 11,500 papers, as Neil said, across 6,427 scientific experiments done over in 184 institutions across 23 countries. So this is not just looking at Monsanto's data or MIT's data, but this is looking across the board. Basic science. We took that data, organized it, which is the second process of the scientific method. We then aggregated the information, and that was published in our first journal article about three months ago in a peer-reviewed journal called Agricultural Sciences. The next thing we did was we organized those molecular pathways, and what I'm referring to is every plant, every fungi, every uh, bacteria in the world follows this metabolic pathway. And we took these molecular pathways and we modeled it, which means modeling it, not just doing mathematical calculations, but actually using the scientific experiments. And what did we discover? In the normal plant, plants do generate formaldehyde, just like you do. But in the normal plant, they create it and they beautifully detoxify it. And they use another important chemical called glutathione. If you Google it, you'll find out glutathione is one of the most important antioxidants. So your formaldehyde is beautifully detoxified. Yes, there's a background level. So some of the people on the internet say, oh, everything has formaldehyde. Of course it does, but it's also detoxified in its varying levels. But you also have glutathione, which is beautifully maintained, important antioxidant. That was the next paper we published. The third paper we said was, okay, what happens when plants get stressed out, like a drought takes place, or pollution occurs? And what you find out in those conditions which occur in nature, like a drought, the plant actually uses up its glutathione, right, because it's, it's an oxidative environment, it's stressed out. Just like you get stressed out, your body will use up its glutathione. And then the plant accumulates formaldehyde. Got it? So that was the third paper. Now when it came to GMOs, it's a very hard thing. You find that there's very little information out there because so much of it is hidden, so much of it is secretive. It's fascinating in science and the most important thing in our food supply, you can't find a lot of this. We got very lucky. In the literature, we found 
a set of papers in vitro experiments, this is not mathematical modeling, that showed that when they did the insertion of the gene, the CP4 gene, by the way, which is for Roundup Ready Soy, which is the most, you know, the highest, most prevalent GMO in the United States, 94%. When they did that gene insertion, that four, five different molecules got disturbed. Okay, five different molecules got disturbed. We took that information and now we put it to the systematic analysis of the first three papers. And what do we find? We find out that the plant goes into oxidative stress, just like it thinks it's under a drought, but far worse. Four times more prevalent, formaldehyde accumulates, glutathione depletes. Now here's the point. When you do this substantial equivalence, when you're comparing criteria, where did the FDA come up with their criteria? Well, they look at smell, look, taste, or maybe some other parameters, but that wasn't decided by the open scientific community. It was decided in back rooms in, in secrecy by and large. When you do a systems analysis, you find out there are important variables that were never included. And we're not saying there could not be others, but this system analysis clearly reveals glutathione and formaldehyde are critical. So of course in the scientific method now, you want to measure it, you want to test it. Well the problem is you can't do any testing, because who controls the sources of the transgenic Right, the non-GMO and the GMO, well, the powers that be. So the conclusion of our paper is saying, look, we need open standards. We need the ability for both parties to meet together and let's define those open standards because you can't have science without open standards. So as Neil and the governor alluded to, we literally have a situation now, just like the attack against labeling, the secrecy in science, including institutions like MIT, is very disturbing. And it's disturbing to the point that this GMO issue is not just about GMOs, but it's about a fundamental failure that's taking place in science about American democracy. So we got to get the push not only for labeling, but the sister child of that is demand open standards. And the call that I want to end with is, you know, if you want scientific discourse, let the chief scientists of Monsanto, let, let them bring their lawyers, let's sit around a table and let's review the results. That's what scientific discourse is about. So I want to end by saying, look, genetic engineering, like the splitting of the atom, is a phenomenal discovery. But when that occurred, the safety assessment technologies lagged behind them. We're using 40-year-old technologies when modern technology exists. And we need to, at minimum, catch up and we need to have discourse. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Governor. Thank you. So you can see why we have to have labeling. There's so much that we don't know. And people deserve freedom of choice. You have to have freedom of choice, and you can't have it if you don't know what it is you're deciding. It's pretty basic.